Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, The Avengers. Superheroes not only dominate at the theater box office, they're an integral part of our society, our world. But can we tap into ways in which to become our own versions of a superhero in real life? As you'll discover in today's interview, the answer is a resounding yes. Welcome to the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Cooper of the Catalyst Coaching Institute, coming to you from the Catalyst Ranch in Fort Collins, Colorado. And today's guest is Dr. Janina Scarlett, a licensed clinical psychologist, award-winning author, and, as she describes herself, a full-time geek. She's the developer of Superhero Therapy, which incorporates superheroes and other characters into evidence-based therapy such as CBT and acceptance and commitment therapy. It's a process utilized across all ages to treat anxiety, depression, PTSD, chronic illness, substance abuse, and so much more. For all of us who have always wanted to be a superhero, Dr. Scarlett will take us down that path today. If you're looking to pursue your certification as a health and wellness coach, the next opportunity with the NBHWC-approved Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Certification is just around the corner. Please reach out to us with questions. Email is results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com anytime. We'll set up time to chat over the phone and answer all your questions. If you're already a coach, do not forget to get registered for the coaching event of the year. This is going to fill up. It's the Rocky Mountain Coaching Retreat and Symposium. It takes place in September in gorgeous and frankly, very affordable Estes Park, Colorado. You can see the details for both the certification and the retreat at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com. Now it's time to be a Catalyst with superhero therapist, Dr. Janina Scarlett on the latest episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast. Superhero therapy, welcome to the show. Yay, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Now, the fun thing about this is it's not just you were sitting back in the corner and you're like, hey, I like superheroes. Let's do a therapy. on Like this is evidence-based stuff. You have a great background. You've brought that evidence into this process. How did you come to create this within your practice? Thank you. So superhero therapy is actually a tool that can be incorporated into evidence-based treatments that likes cognitive behavioral mm-hmm. therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, DBT. So the great thing is that providers of these amazing interventions don't really have to learn a lot of new things. Mm. It's more about the willingness to explore things from the client's perspective using a slightly different language. Okay. Right. Yep. And so maybe instead of mindfulness, we can talk about the force. Okay. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're teaching the same techniques and the goal of superhero therapy is really to have the client bring in their own strengths to become their own hero of their own journey. It's meant to be for clients of all ages. So it's not just for kids and it's meant to help the client to align within a hero that they look up to, be it a a character from superhero stories or science uh, fiction, fantasy, or maybe somebody else that they admire to become their own version of that hero in real life. I love it. I love it. Now your first question was, how did I uh, put it together? Yeah, how did this all come together? Yeah, I mean, um, so I'm I'm a trauma survivor and I specialize in working with folks with trauma. And for me growing up, I found that fictional stories allowed me to feel understood and accepted. Mm. You know, I think that most of us have been taught to 
like to quote frozen, conceal, don't feel right to essentially suppress our emotions and quote unquote, look on the positive, right? That's called toxic positivity. So a lot of times, well-meaning individuals might tell let's say trauma survivors or people going through depression and anxiety to suppress their feelings and to just sort of positive think out of how they're feeling. It doesn't work. But when we see a representation of who we are in a movie, a TV show or a book, we might have an insight as to, oh, okay, my feelings matter. I, I understand. I relate to this character. So for me, after years of, um, I went through, uh, years of, uh, pretty severe prejudice. My family and I grew up in Ukraine, uh, which is where I'm from. We had to flee in secret from prejudice that wow. we experienced. I'm also a survivor of Chernobyl disaster. So I, you know, I have medical trauma and by the time my family and I moved to the United States, I was in middle school. And I felt like, quote unquote, a freak, you know, I, nobody talked about mental health. So I thought that I was somehow different from everybody else. I thought I was the only one going through PTSD and anxiety and depression, but I didn't know those words. I just knew that there was something off. All the other kids seemed happy and I felt absolutely horrible. And I didn't know that a lot of kids go through it that we just put on a, and I'm fine mask and go about our day. And so when I was 16, I was working in a movie theater and our manager invited us to go to the midnight screening of this movie that was just coming out. And that movie was the X-Men. And I was like, what is the (laughs) X-Men? I don't know about this. Right. And so from the second that the movie opened, I was just captivated because um, it, this was the first X-Men movie, X-Men 2000. And it starts with World War II. And all four of my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. So immediately, you know, I was just hooked. And then the show, the movie, excuse me, is all about the X-Men who are mutants, who all have some kind of a genetic mutation. So they're all different from other people. And they're being persecuted against and bullied. And they feel really, really lonely in this experience. And I was like, I feel like this movie's about me. Wow. You wow. know, I just had this yeah. like beautiful connection with this character. I was like, I want to be an X-Men. And and then I was just thinking that how much I relate to this movie. And then I looked around. It was a midnight movie on a Thursday night, right? But the movie was sold out on a work night. Wow. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> right? Like, why is everyone so into this film? Not everyone has the same history as I do. And so as I'm watching it, I'm having all these epiphanies, right? And so I'm like, wait a minute. What if everyone in the entire movie theater, and and because this movie is doing so well, just even on opening night, what if like everyone, including the people that wrote it and people that are, are acting it and people that are watching it, knows what it means to feel lonely and to feel, quote unquote, like an outcast and to feel different? And what if normal is the biggest lie in the universe. What if we all feel different, but we just don't talk about it. Mm. And maybe that's why this movie is so relatable. And so I'm watching this movie, having all these epiphanies, and then it hits me. We can use fiction to understand real life, right? Like we can tell the truth through fiction. And so it was because of this movie 
that like a week later, I signed up for my first ever psychology class in high school and never looked back. So now I incorporate fictional narratives into evidence-based therapies like CBT and ACT. Those are my, you know, my go-tos and EMDR um, to help people understand that their experiences are an origin story, right? Like every hero has one. And then we get to make choices on how we take the rest of our journey, right? What kind of hero do we want to be with the help of our favorite characters? And so that's how Superhero Therapy was born. It is so much fun. And I find that clients have an easier easier time understanding their own stories and, and find that hope for healing through the view of fiction. So there's so much there. And, and I love, <laughs> love, love that introduction. Um, I, I just want to touch on something you said very early on, because I think we're probably very guilty. The audience here, health, wellness, performance, everybody, you said, oh, you know, stuff it down. We're in a, a group, we're in a running club, we're in a, you know, whatever it might be at school. And it's yeah. like, yeah, we got this. We can take on anything. No, don't, don't give into that downside. And, and you're saying, well, yeah, but that's not the full picture. So I, I think that was huge for you to bring that up. I, it, it's critical for us to think about as we head into this. And what a great story. So, so how, do, how does this work? Our, our family loves superhero movies. And, mm. and based on the sales, I, it looks like everybody does. Can, <laughs> can you walk us through? You've given us the intro. Can you walk us through the process or, or maybe an yes. example with that of some sort? And sure. by the way, yeah. I just wanted you to know, I've got for the interview, nobody can see this because we're just doing audio today. I've got Yay. my flash shirt on Yay. just for this interview. So Thank ju- just, you. I, I I'm here with you. <laughs> Um, yes, absolutely. So I'll walk you through the process and I'm happy to give an example. So the first session, the evaluation session, I typically invite the client to talk about what they've been through, right? What's bringing them in. And the last 10 to 15 minutes of the session, I ask them, what are they into? Right. As you can see, you know, my office is pretty geeked out. Right. So, you know, I say, as you can see, right. I'm a, I'm a nerd, right. So I'm a big fan of Marvel and DC and Harry Potter and Star Wars. So what are you into? Are there any movies, TV shows, video games, comic books that you like? So I self-disclose first so that the client knows it's a safe place and I invite them to talk about it. So, and then I'll jot things down. And sometimes it might be things I know. Sometimes it might be things I know nothing about and that's okay. Right. And then in the following sessions, I will get to know the clients, either fandom or video game that they're playing, you know, or particular sport that they're a part of. And then pull from um, that particular activity, I'll pull for strength. So, for example, if a client likes a particular anime, even if I know nothing about it, I will ask, is there a character that resonates with you? Mm. Is there a character that has been through similar experiences as you? How did they deal with it? Right. Who are their friends? How did they manage it? How did they overcome it? What do you like about this character? Right. How do you relate to them? Has this happened to you? What happened to the character? And so I'll start gathering some of that information. Um, And then we start in subsequent sessions, we start working on origin story. So an origin story is any event or series of events that take the person to a different life direction. Right. So a lot of fictional heroes have an origin story that starts with trauma. 
And many of us humans have a traumatic origin story or 50 of them, (laughs) right? And so I invite the client to think about what their origin story is. Sometimes it could be one big traumatic event, like loss of a loved one, like Batman. Sometimes it could be uh, maybe uh, some kind of a health condition that could be quite long, right? Sometimes it could be abuse, discrimination that can also last years. Sometimes it could be an exciting event, right? Like what happened in Black Swan, like being given an amazing opportunity or having a child, getting married, getting a new job, right? That takes our life in a different direction and brings a lot of stressors with Mm -hmm. it. So that's the origin story. So we look at the origin story as in your hero has an origin story and you have an origin story. And then now we have an origin story and a beloved hero. Then I will ask the client to write a letter to themselves from the point of view of the hero. Mm. So your hero has their own origin story. Let's say the Flash has has his origin story, right? Like between losing his mom, obtaining his powers, right? Things like that. And then knowing what you have been through, knowing what you're struggling with now and knowing your hopes and dreams, what would Flash say to you? What would Barry say to you? Right. And so the client will write a letter to themselves from the point of view of a hero. So it's not the hero putting him or herself into your shoes. It's it's almost like you're sitting down with Thor and Thor is saying, well, Brad, here's how I would kind of restructure that a little bit. Exactly. Or Brad might say like, uh, excuse me, or you might say to somebody else or Thor might say to you like, hey, remember that you are somebody that is really compassionate. You're somebody that helps a lot of people. Right. Remember who you are and how influential you are, how much of a difference you make. Right. You might not even realize it. Right. And so. It's essentially it's a slightly different version of the empty chair exercise so that we can communicate with our role model and get their guidance. This can set the treatment on its path in terms of allowing us to identify certain monsters that the client typically faces, right? Like anxiety, depression, flashbacks, right? Insecurities. Um, And think about what would my hero advise me to do here, right? So if somebody has social anxiety, Maybe as a result, they avoid hanging out with their friends, right? Or going to social gatherings, but as a result, they miss out and their friends are missing out on hanging out with that person. And so Thor, in our example, might say, well, you know, remember, you can attend these events and offer your friends your presence, your support, your kindness, right? You have a responsibility, right? And, you know, Spider-Man might remind us that with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) And so the idea would be to then follow whatever steps we would normally take as a clinician to help our clients with either thought restructuring or exposures or mindfulness skills through the lens of that hero, maybe with a little bit more pop culture sprinkled into it. So for example, uh, we might say, you know, as a part of connecting with our body, we're going to be using the force, right? We're going to feel what we're feeling on the inside. What is our body telling us and how do we connect with the world around us? So that maybe when you go to a social event, 
we might take a breath to really feel our body and send maybe loving, kind energy to the people around us to soothe not only our own anxiety, but the anxiety of other people, right? So that we can show up as a Jedi to that event. And so the idea would be to put our client on a journey that allows them to be a version of their hero, right? Let's say a compassionate, helping human who is helping other people, paying it forward in some kind of way um, through the guidance of their superhero, through uh, the support of their therapist. I view myself as their sidekick, right? So they're Robin, so they're Batman. And uh, to find activities that are most consistent with their sense of purpose. So when you're selecting that superhero, is it the, are you choosing someone that you would like to be like, or are you choosing one that seems to resonate with you? And I'll I'll give you a brief example. uh, And I don't know the superheroes like you do, but just enough. So flash my flash shirt. I I enjoy running. And so there's a natural like, Hey, yeah, cool. I like flash. But Personality-wise and all that kind of stuff, I kind of more am with the Hulk. I'm like this yes. quiet, like to study, read, do all this stuff. And I've found as I'm older, I'm mid-50s now, that the emotions have been a positive thing. So when Hulk yes. needs to come to the rescue and the emotions kick in, like to me, that resonates. So Hulk resonates, flashes chosen. Is there a difference? Yes. Do you lean towards one or the other or does it depend? I love that you brought this up. So I actually like to build up an arsenal. Right. So the idea would be that the client has like a group of different loving beings that they can turn to and they can choose for this particular uh, event. Like, let's say going to a party, maybe they're going to want to talk to uh, to Bruce Banner or maybe Dumbledore. Right. Like maybe a wise figure, maybe when it comes to something else, maybe when it comes to like. Uh, doing a class presentation or asking somebody out on a date, maybe they're going to want to talk to Hermione or Wonder Woman or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. But the point is, it might be a different hero for a different situation. The hero does not have to be a superhero in a traditional sense. Could be a fantasy or sci-fi character. It could be a real life person, right? So if somebody has a, a mentor that maybe they are no longer in touch with, Or maybe somebody that has passed away, like one of my heroes is my grandfather, who's no longer alive. From one of my exercises, I sometimes turn to him and I will Mm. write down what he might say. For some people, it might be a religious figure. It might be an athlete or an actor or a writer, an influencer, right? Somebody that we look up to. And so it can be anybody. And my goal is actually to, like I said, build that arsenal so that a person has multiple characters and beings that they can turn to and they can say, okay, for this situation, I want to talk to Thor. And for this situation, I want to talk to my grandma. So it's like a board of directors. Yes. You, you, you want it. to balance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Excellent. Uh, what surprised you most about the integration of superhero therapy? So super fun, super engaging. Your clients have got to love you. Like you've got to have a <laughs> list a million miles long and people are like, I got to see her. But what, what surprised you as you, have you integrated this? What have you come out of it going? Well, didn't think that would happen. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. First I started like officially integrating it in my postdoc work. And I was working at a military base and I was, you know, a tiny little postdoc, you know, my first year, like, you know, first or second month, I don't know what I'm doing. Imposter syndrome out the door. Totally. Right. And, but 
every service member, I was working with Marines, right? So every Marine is like wanting to talk about Batman or The Walking Dead um, or The Hulk. Those are the, you know, or, or Superman. Those are the most popular ones, right? And so we're talking about these characters as a way of managing trauma, right? So they'll be like, you know, combat felt like a scene from The Walking Dead. I'm like, I get that. That makes sense, right? Or they'll be like, you know how I felt when my friend died? I felt like little Bruce Wayne, Batman, right? When he witnessed his parents being killed. And that makes sense, right? They felt like a small child. And even if I didn't know anything about Bruce Wayne, if I was to ask who's Bruce Wayne, they would say, well, you know, that's Batman when he was a small child. And it would make sense to me. So anyway, about a month or two into it, I get called in by the director of the clinical training in the military base. And he goes, so superheroes. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting fired. And he's like, so you know, like, tell me more. So I start telling him more. And he's like, so you go to Comic-Con? I'm like, yeah, I present the Comic-Con actually every year. Like, you know, I, it's usually me and a few other psychologists, some actors, some writers, right? And we talk about mental health. So he goes, you going this year? I was like, yeah. He's like, can you get me tickets? <laughs> and I was like, didn't know you were a fan. That's cool. So he goes, I tell you what, next week we're having grand rounds, right? Like, so all the providers, most of whom are active duty, right? Like these like seasoned psychologists and psychiatrists who are active duty um, are going to be there. And I would like you to lead the grand round. So you're going to give a talk on oh, superhero word. therapy and train everyone. And I was like, I'm a what now? <laughs> Like what is happening? Um, So that surprised me because I honestly like expected, I mean, you know, yeah, I I had the fleeting thought of being fired, but like more than anything, (laughs) I expected to be told, like cool it down a little bit. Right, right. But it was quite the opposite. It was like, no, train our staff. Wow. So I did. And then it started spreading. And then I got asked to give a talk at the VA, right? So now for veterans rather than active duty. And, and then I started being invited to other places. And then now I'm doing talks worldwide. And I'm still like, I still have this like me, you know, like that, that imposter syndrome, I don't think is ever going away, but I don't think it's meant to. Um, but that's still surprising. D- doesn't that almost fit your story? I- that's the superhero. Like, <laughs> you, I mean, we use the Hulk example, this guy that can do anything, but feels like he shouldn't be doing anything. You've got, well, outside of maybe Iron Man who thinks he can do everything, but you know what I mean? Like that's almost the superhero story of, well, maybe I should just kind of stay over here in the background and, and not ruffle any feathers. <laughs> it's so interesting. That's almost what you're describing, isn't it? Oh gosh. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Huh. That's Thanks. interesting. All right. You've noticed, and, and we talked about this in the intro a little bit, it's been effective with anxiety, depression, PTSD, chronic illness, substance abuse, so much more. Could, could you walk us through a, a hypothetical example? Yes. Yes, of course. Um, and I can actually walk you through a real life example. So, uh, this was maybe about eight years ago. I was working with a teenage girl. Uh, we'll call her Lily for the purpose of, mm-hmm. uh, of this interview, but that's not her. Confidentiality. Real name. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, uh, her parents brought her in for anxiety, self-harm and trauma after being bullied. And 
um, this girl had been bullied so much that she had a really difficult time talking about her symptoms. Mm. So if I asked her anything mental health related, she would hide behind dad and ask dad to speak for her. She's how old? She's about 15. Wow. Yeah. And so she was like almost 16, which is why I say about. Yeah. Um, And so like if I asked her like, Hey, how, how did this week go? How are you feeling? How's your anxiety today? She would look to dad and wait for dad to answer. And then dad would say, well, she's self-harmed again, or she was bullied in school again and things like that. Um, but the one thing she was willing to talk about was her favorite show, Veronica Mars. Mm. Now I didn't know anything about Veronica Mars, right? Like I thought it was a sci-fi show. I didn't know anything about it. So I said, well, what is it? And she said, well, it's a show about this teenage girl who's like, almost like a teen detective. And I was like, cool. That sounds like a really interesting show. And I said, what do you like about it? And she said, well, she'd been through a lot. Like she'd been bullied too. And I can really relate to her. And I tried pulling a little bit more, but she had a really hard time communicating. And it wasn't that she had poor communication skills. It was that her depression and trauma were so severe that Mm. she almost lost her voice. Right. So I don't normally do this. I do this sometimes, but I thought I'd go home and watch a little bit of the pilot, right? The first episode, just to understand that was my full intention, but I accidentally watched the entire first season (laughs) in one evening because it's so good. Um, So Kristen Bell plays Veronica Mars, the leading character. And so before the show even starts, the leading character Veronica Mars had been through every horrific thing you can imagine, right? She'd been bullied. She'd been abused. She'd been assaulted. Uh, Her family had been through a lot of trauma. Um, And so what Veronica ends up doing is starting to work with her dad, who is a PI, a private investigator. And she learns very quickly that she's really good at it. She's like a teenage Sherlock Holmes. So she starts solving crimes and helping people and essentially ends up becoming a hero, right? Of her school and ends up getting like new friends and new relationships and basically having this beautiful, like heroic journey. So I came back the following week and I told Lily, I said, look, I watched the entire first season of Veronica (laughs) Mars. I get it. I understand why you like the show. And I said, I see why you relate to her. She'd been also bullied. She feels really lonely. She'd been through a lot like you have. And what she did with it was really interesting that she started giving back to her community through something she was really good at, right. Through being a detective almost, right. Like an assistant PI. And so I said, maybe we could do something like that. So I said, what are you good at? And she was like, nothing. So I said, okay, well, what is something you know a lot about? And she said, I don't know, depression. So I said, okay, well, do you think there's anyone else in your school that has depression? And she said, I don't know, maybe one or two people. So I said, okay, well, what would Veronica do if she knew that there were a couple of students in her school who have depression? And she said, she'd try to help. I think she'd give a talk or, or something like to let people know that they're not alone. And, and I'm like speechless at this point, right? Because it's oh, a girl that would hide behind her yeah. dad. And so I was like, is this what you want to do? And she nodded her head and she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So we spent several sessions role-playing, right? And preparing for this so that she felt comfortable. And then she made a choice to do it. She went into school and she asked the teacher if she could do a five-minute announcement about mental health. 
And the teacher said, okay. So I'm just getting choked up even talking about it, right? So she she talked about her experiences with depression and anxiety and self-harm and bullying. And she said that she's in therapy now and she's starting to get better. And that if anyone has questions about mental health, they can talk to her. If anyone is struggling, they just need a buddy. They can talk to her. Or if people want to know how to find a therapist, she can let them know how, like I gave her some resources that she could hand out. And honestly, neither one of us expected how it would turn out because after that, like she was swarmed. The entire class just ran over to her. People were hugging her and crying and sharing stories. Like the class just learned it it turned into a mental health session. Right. And then by the rest of the week, by by, by the end of the week, the whole school found out and people were messaging her and stopping her in the hallway and thanking her. And so she realized that it had a much bigger impact than she anticipated. And so in a couple of months, she started a mental health club in her school. And so students would meet and they would just share stories, right? Right? Like, this is what I'm talking about. And it's just so incredible that in realizing that through our experiences, we have the power to give back, right? I never want to silver line what happens to us. I never want to silver light trauma, And at the same time, it gives us a unique perspective of how we can give back to other trauma survivors in terms of letting them know that they're not alone. That's what Lily did. And that's what I'm trying to instill in my clients, whether it's I've had people start nonprofits focused on sexual assault awareness. I've had other people start um, either YouTube videos or Instagram accounts for survivors of sexual abuse. Um, I've had people write books about what happened to them. Right. And so these are the choices that people make when they realize that they have the power to become their own version of a superhero as a way to give back. And that's really the whole point of all of it. And still like, honestly, anytime anything like that happens, I'm just like crying, like sobbing in the corner. And I'm so grateful. That's so powerful. And I'm glad we're not doing the video version of this because there's something <laughs> in both of my eyes and I'm not sure I'm what it onions. is. But, um, those, those onions. <laughs> of course. Um, all right. Is is part of the effectiveness of this approach related to rewriting your story, changing the role you see yourself playing in the world? Because there's a lot of my, my wife is, is kind of a she's a genius in this area as well. And and she's really working a lot in this whole retelling your story piece. And it, it sounded very similar to that as I was looking into yeah. your details. Is that a similar concept? Yes, it pulls largely from narrative therapy as well and narrative exposure therapy too, right? From many different approaches. And the idea would be that the client at the end of therapy actually rewrites their origin story as a survivor story. Mm. And so it would be rather than this terrible thing happened to me and I'm a victim, it would be, yes, this terrible thing happened to me and I am a survivor and this is now the steps you know, the, the step that I'm taking to support my community. Right. Wow. And and, and within that story, you're also, well, yeah, you just said it to support my community. That's what a superhero does. Yeah. Yeah. Dialed in. Perfect. Okay. Have you gotten any significant pushback from other clinicians that are looking at you going, come on, you're just, you said silver lining it or you're, 
you know, you're, you're blowing past the deep stuff. You're, you're making fun of what we do with CBT or some of these other things. What's been the response in your professional community to this? Honestly, not really. Interesting. Like I expected it. Like I braced for it. Well, you even talked about when you were a postdoc. Yeah, but not really. Like I've had one person say like superheroes, like, like for children. I was like, yeah, but for the military. And they're like, okay. You know, like, but not really. Like majority of time, again, I'm bracing for it, but I've had people say, huh. I never thought about it. That's interesting. Would you train my clinic? And I'd be like, sure. They'd never thought about it. I mean, just that phrase seems odd to me because it seems like the value, and and I'm totally personalizing this now, so maybe I'm off base, but the value of an Avengers, a super, whatever, is that you step into that and you're like, and what would I do if I were in that role? So it's like it, it gives you that boost to go in your own life next level, regardless of what you're bringing into that show. I'm, I'm surprised. Exactly. I'm surprised they would say that. So I have like two different camps that I train, right? I have the camps of individuals who like, I should say groups. I have groups of individuals who are really into pop culture and that's why they seek me out. They're like, yeah, I love the Avengers, right? I love Harry Potter. I love video games. Bring it on. And then I have people who are saying, I don't know anything about this but my clients really like it. And people Mm. have told me that I should learn this. So can you like, what is this about? And so I can understand that where if somebody doesn't usually watch, you know, pop culture uh, or read pop culture or, you know, doesn't play video games, they might not make that connection. Right. At first they might say, well, like my clients play like eight hours of video games. How do I get them to stop? Right. And so then we have a conversation as to, well, what game are they playing? Mm. Right. And the therapist might say, I don't know. I never thought to ask. Yeah. Right. And so we'll start talking about, okay, so here are the questions that you can ask, right? What game is it? What is your avatar like, right? Avatar is the character that you're playing as. Um, maybe the avatar is a representation of this person's identity. Like if the person is trans or non-binary, maybe they build their avatar to represent themselves. Mm. If there's somebody that has social anxiety, maybe they feel small, but maybe their avatar is this big badass warrior, mm. right? That can be really telling. What position do they play in? Are they like in a leadership position, right? Like, are they a part of a team? Who do they play with? What does it take to win? And how do they feel when they win? And more importantly, what happens when they lose? Mm. Because majority of games, you lose 90% of the time. And which means video games teach people resilience to jump right back in. Mm. Research studies that have come out during the pandemic have showed that 65% of um, people who play video games play to manage their COVID related distress Mm. as a mental health coping tool. And And effectively, uh, the the studies are saying we're not just doing this to escape. We literally are seeing effectiveness if we do this. Yes, exactly. Thank you. And people are connecting with loved ones while playing games with Mm. them, right? Talking on a headset and catching up. There are games that are now specifically prescribed by doctors Mm. as medicine. So there is a game, um, is it called Elevate? 
I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact title, but there's a prescription video game for ADHD that psychiatrists can now prescribe in addition to medication. And it's covered by insurance, I believe. Um, And it is designed just for treating ADHD, right? So so my point is a lot of times uh, for people who are not gamers, I might offer this kind of education about benefits of video games and why people are playing it so that the provider can ask these questions and incorporate games into treatment as in, okay, so, you know, when you're distressed about your math homework, how about we have you play a game for 20 minutes, then do your math problem for 20 minutes, then play a game for just, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. But my point is the therapist in understanding the function of a game can incorporate it into the treatment practice, even if they're not themselves a gamer. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so could it be utilized for someone who's looking to up their game? So you've, you've, we've talked almost exclusively about helping people that are struggling through something, some history, et cetera, et cetera. Could, could someone who's saying, okay, I'm, I'm doing pretty well for whatever reason, uh, in this area. And I want to elevate my game. I, I want to take it from a to a plus or whatever can we use the same strategy for that kind of pursuit? I don't see why not, right? The idea would be that anything we can do to allow our clients to feel more seen, more heard, more validated can be extremely helpful. As a trauma provider, um, I am a big fan of gold standard treatments for trauma, right? Such as cognitive processing therapy. And what we have seen is that dropout rates for exposure-based interventions such as CPT are nearing 40% Mm. because clients are really distressed about exposure, usually before they do it. Once they start doing it, they kind of settle into it and they see the benefits, but usually the anticipatory anxiety is so distressing that people drop out before starting it. Mm. But If we can get clients on board through narrative, for example, through changing their narrative from victim to survivor, from quote unquote, weak or broken to empowered, right? Like a superhero, we might have fewer dropout rates. And in fact, compared to CPT, narrative uh, narrative therapies are finding that they're having five to 6% dropout rates for trauma. And that's a big difference. And so if we can massive. use, yeah. And so if we can use, uh, whether it's pop culture, we can, video games, things like that in treatment to help clients feel more understood. I think we, we don't all only like level up ourselves in a way we keep clients in treatment. Uh, we, we create more adherence to treatment, more compliance. And I think there's so many benefits to that. Um, and I believe, uh, the game I mentioned earlier, I think it's called Endeavor. If I remember correctly, I think that's right. I think I read something about that recently. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. Who's your superhero choice for your life? Come on. Tell us the oh real thing goodness. here. Oh my goodness. So it's two, Or your board of director. Actually. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. you don't stay with one here. Yes. I have two. So I have Storm from the X-Men, who's like my first entryway into superhero world through that X-Men movie that I saw. And then the Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff, uh, not only because of my last name, uh, but just in general, because I relate to her so much being an immigrant, going through trauma, understanding loss. 
Uh, and also for anyone who had not seen WandaVision, the depiction of traumatic grief and dissociation is so powerful in this mm. show. Uh, I highly recommend it for any any provider who works in trauma, which we all do, really. If we work with people, we work with trauma. Um, but yeah, so these nice. two. You, that's perfect. I wasn't going to ask you this, but... Um, are there a few, I want to get your kind of final words of wisdom here in a second, but in terms of the superheroes, are there a few that you would throw out there for someone who's saying, I just, I'm like, I missed this whole thing. Like I'm, I haven't seen the movies. I haven't. And, and you're saying, Hey, Brad, it can be a professor. It can be an athlete. It can be a friend. Yes. It can be a parent. It can be a grandparent, et cetera. But on the superhero side, are there two or three that you would throw out to say, you know, here's a good starter set, if you will. If, if, if you just yeah. not knowing your background, not knowing your history, not knowing your trauma, not knowing what you're facing. But I would, I'd start with these two or three. Who, who would you throw out there? Yeah. Batman, Wonder Woman, and Spider-Man. Okay. Very good. Very Bad good. Baby ones I'd just throw in there. They're, they're pretty universally known. And yeah, I think for a lot of people, they're, they're really, you know, inspiring. Well, and this is totally off topic, but I'm just curious your thoughts. The the first Wonder Woman movie was just off the charts awesome. Oh, it was so and, and it's like her true superpower. Like she was amazingly strong and athletic and t- did all these amazing things, but it seemed to me her true superpower was empathy. Yes. You, her true superpower is compassion, a hundred percent. Okay. okay. And I just even see No, you're a hundred percent on point. And in the comics there's one issue where Ares shows up to her apartment and like ties her up and tortures her and like intimidates her and says, I'm going to go to Themyscira, the island of where she's from, and basically kill all your sisters and torture you. And the reason why I'm doing that is because you're so compassionate. The compassion is your weakness, right? And she frees herself and she says, you're wrong. My compassion is my strength, mm. right? And so like she's, she's going to fight to her last breath to protect her friends because her compassion is her strength. Love that. Love that. All right. Final, final question. Any words of wisdom you want to throw out there? I haven't teed up with a question that you're saying, oh, Brad, there's this one thing I've got to throw out there. I don't want people to miss this. What, what do you got for us? Honestly, for anyone listening, what I want to tell you is this. You never know the way that you impact other people. And most people might not think to tell you how much you've helped them. And sometimes it might be a text or a smile or, you know, a how are you? And there are probably people whose lives you've changed for the better and you might never know because these people will never tell you. There are probably people out there whose lives you've saved. Maybe somebody was considering suicide or really, a, you know, really struggling and you might never fully realize that because they might not think to tell you. So for anyone listening, I wanted to tell you that you make an impact mm-hmm. each and every day. And so I wanted to re- remind you just how much you matter and just how much of a difference you make in this world. You are a superhero. You just don't realize it. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Dr. Scarlett, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. How fun was that? Thank you, Dr. Janina Scarlett showing us how we can fly. Thanks to you for tuning into the number one podcast for health and wellness coaching. Next week's episode is one you've been asking for. It is a real live coaching session from a nationally board certified health and wellness coach, Liz Brown. Not only will you find the process eye-opening, but you'll likely be able to tap into many of the strategies that her client walks through for your own life. 
A reminder that our next MBHWC approved health and wellness coaching certification is just around the corner. As always, feel free to reach out to us with any questions about your current or future coaching career results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com, or you can tap into additional health, wellness, and performance resources on the website, catalystcoachinginstitute.com. Now, it's time to be a catalyst. This is Dr. Bradford Cooper, the Catalyst Coaching Institute. I'll speak with you soon on another episode of the Catalyst Health, Wellness, and Performance Coaching Podcast, or maybe over on the YouTube coaching channel.